Thanks everyone for coming out to another veteran support group meeting. As always, I'm Mark. I'll be your facilitator for the evening. Jim, I'd like to start with you if that's okay. You'd mentioned you were involved in a traumatic situation during Vietnam. Would you care to share that story with us? Sure. It was during the Tet Offensive. I was with Company C, 4th Battalion, 9th Infantry, patrolling for Charlie rocket sites near some rinky-dink village outside of Saigon. And then we got ambushed. We lost 48 men in 8 minutes, and I froze up. I remember standing in a rice paddy field, but the water was all red. The corpses of my buddies was sloshing around at my feet, and little fishes was nibbling at them. All I could think about for some reason was seeing a beta fish, you know, the real colorful kind with the fancy fins, and how my little boy had one floating in a bowl on his dresser. I always thought they were so pretty. I remember the stench in the air, acrid, like burnt metal and voided bowels. The nightmares have come every night for over a decade now. Okay, thank you for that, Jim. Well, I see we have a new face joining us tonight. I have to say you look a little young to have been in Nam. <laughs> was your father or grandfather a veteran? No, I was in the Temple of Elemental Upheaval campaign. My party and I had just crossed through the haunted swamp and were making our way over Black Chasm Pass in pursuit of the treasure of the Wartraw King in the Cave of Screaming Skulls when we too were ambushed. An army of evil led by the dark spellbinder Alikor. The Trog pugilist was the first to fall. A horde of gremlins ganged up on him, ripping his skin to ribbons with razor-sharp claws, gouging out craters of his flesh with needle-like teeth. God, the screams. Simon sounded just like a hog getting castrated while on fire. He'd only rolled up that character earlier in the day. Just a baby. Had more pimples than experience points. Should have never been there. The human Templar tried his hardest to fend off the dire salamanders, but he was overwhelmed, their spears skewering his body like a kebab, leaving only a perforated lump of splintered chainmail and oozing meat. The Gelvin Drifter, whose high dexterity normally allows him to swiftly act before the enemy, didn't even have time to raise his bow before he was overrun by marauders with enchanted axes who cut through his leather armor like dough, leaving his body crisscrossed with gaping gashes, a hundred little mouths spitting up blood. I watched in horror as the munchkin shadow specialist rolled a critical failure. His dagger flew from his hand like a greased-up monkey wrench, and he was defenseless. A gargoyle devoured his entrails like red licorice rope. I'll never forget the smell of my friend Plunger's detached garage that night. A toxic cloud of B.O. and farts. It was terrible. As for me, even being an 11th level element master and a druid of Dragondale, I felt as helpless as a balladeer under the effects of a mute mouth spell. My own spells, jolting bolt, heat wave, freezing breeze, sputtered out like Fourth of July sparklers under tropical monsoon rain. Melee wasn't any better. I was backed up to the black chasm. My staff found only air. Whoosh. 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 Like a blindfolded birthday boy desperately battling an elusive pinata. Except it was my candy that would be spilled if I couldn't connect. <laughs> Funny thing. Always had steady hands. Could roll a fistful of dice and land every one of them on the tabletop. Right on target. Without so much as a single dock die. Now, though, 
I'm lucky to get one or two D4s, the ones that don't roll much, to stay off the floor. The rest are down there waiting to be stepped on with bare feet. Landmines worse than Legos. I can't seem to lose the tremor in my hand. I tell myself it's all in my head. The session was almost a week ago, but the flashbacks put me right there again at the chasm's edge. My palms start to sweat. My hand shakes the dice, but it's involuntary. Some fly out through the gaps in my grip like spit M16 shells, dancing and rattling out of my line of sight. I can only steer straight ahead. Then I unfurl my fingers and let the chaos scatter. It's bad. It's real bad. I can picture myself erasing the hit points on my character sheet and writing in the new number, that awful empty O. But it feels like someone else is moving the pencil. I remember the fall, an endless dreamy slow motion tumble into nothingness. And to this day, I wake up screaming from the depths of the black chasm, still waiting to hit the bottom. Kid, get out. Yes, sir. The story I told the veteran support group was true. My Druids of Dragondel character, Wendell Wooblebeard, had fallen into the Black Chasm with zero HP left. That's where Plunger, the Game Master, had ended the session, with the Druids' fate hanging in the balance. The rest of my companions had all died. But it wasn't a total party kill yet, not when there was a possibility, however remote, that Wendell survived. The next session was on Saturday night, and I had to be ready. I was going to make sure Wendell was given every opportunity afforded to him under the official DOD rules as written by its creator, Larry Lorax. And if Plunger even so much as thought about house-ruling something unfavorably for me, I'd be on the phone with Harry Fleinstein faster than he could say roll for initiative. Mr. Fleinstein is a rules lawyer with a real degree, and he causes GMs everywhere to tremble behind their screens. I also needed to learn as much as possible about the Black Chasm. That's why on Thursday, after school, I rode my bike to Comics to the Max, a comic book and hobby store. I've known the proprietor, Max, for as long as I could read words like thwack, sploosh, and boff. On that day, though, it wasn't comics I was after. I wanted Lands of Enchantment, a DoD expansion book that had details about the world not included in the core rulebook. There was only one left on the shelf. Max grinned as I set it down on the checkout counter. Ooh, Lands of Enchantment. Nice choice, Dickie. Taking a deep dive into Druids of Dragondale, I see. Yeah, deep dive right into the Black Chasm. Uh Uh-oh. Well, you'll want to read the section on the Nether Regions, then. 
Oddly enough, there was another kid in here the other day asking about that. Kids are just really interested in learning about nether regions, I guess. He didn't end up buying the book, though. Lucky for you. I really do need to order some more copies, but I've been so busy hosting Battle Mallet 20K tournaments in the back. That's why you need to hire me. I could help run the store. You know that. And you know that you have to be at least 15 years old to work here. The second you are, the job is yours, I promise. Do you think you'll still be into comic books and role-playing games in three years? Do you even need to ask? <laughs> I guess not. Oh, hey, I almost forgot. There's a Druids of Dragondale live-action role-play taking place at the park on Saturday if you're interested. A LARP, you say? Consider me very interested. But I've got a tabletop DOD game that night. Well, it shouldn't go past six. You think you can make it? Yeah, I'll make it. Is it going to use dice? I believe it's mostly free-form with some foam weapons to simulate combat. Perfect. It's about time I played a game that rewards the martial prowess of the player behind the character. Dice may fail, but Dickie doesn't. Well, just so you know, there's going to be a lot of adults there, Dickie. I can hold my own. Okay, well, I'll put the info in with your book. Thanks. Max rang me up and I left the store, homeward bound. As I pedaled, I also pondered. Was I allowed to play Wendell Woolbeard in the LARP game if I was already playing him in Plunger's game? Perhaps that was a question for Mr. Fleinstein. I had him on retainer. I gave him a call after dinner. That's getting into sort of a nebulous area, Dickie. However, it'd be difficult for anyone to make a case against you if you declare each Wendell Woolbeard to be a separate entity, occupying distinct dimensions, and therefore not liable for any damages to either game's narrative integrity. Satisfied that I was completely within my rights for Saturday, I did my homework and then watched an episode of my favorite sitcom, Flurf. I thought I told you not to eat poop at the dinner table, Flurf. But I'm not eating it. I'm drinking it. It's diarrhea. <laughs> oh, Flurf. <laughs> Finally, I crawled into my bed with Lands of Enchantment. A torn piece of yellow legal pad paper slipped out of the book when I opened it. Scribbled in pencil was the word convergence in a set of coordinates, followed by a date and time, Saturday at 1436 hours. Max must have known I'd get a kick out of him using military time and geographical coordinates, and he was right, although that was an odd time to start the LARP. I scrambled back out of bed and grabbed a USGS map of Jupiter Springs and a ruler, then tracked the latitude and longitude until they intersected somewhere in the middle of Tallulah Pines National Forest. I'd assumed when Max said the LARP was taking place at the park, he'd meant a city park, but no matter, Tallulah Pines was my favorite stomping ground anyway. Back in bed, I thumbed through the pages of my new book until I located the Nether Regions chapter. The Black Chasm entry was only one small but informative paragraph. A long, narrow fissure stretching from the eastern edge of the haunted swamp to the base of the Dragontooth mountain range, alongside which the Black Chasm Pass road parallels. The Black Chasm itself is sheer and perfused with impenetrable darkness that negates all spells and magical effects. Although bottomless, Anyone or anything descending the abyss has a 1 in 20 chance of teleporting to a random other realm, or will otherwise plummet for eternity. Now I had the odds. There really was a chance of surviving, albeit in another dimension, but I'd have to roll a d20 to give myself that chance. 
The tremor in my hand flared at the thought of it. If somehow I did manage to succeed, I'd need to refer to the table on page 72 of Mordegar's Guide to the Other Realms to find out where the Element Master would randomly teleport to. I was pretty sure Plunger already had that book, though. By the time Saturday afternoon arrived, I already had everything I needed for the LARP. For Wendell's druid garb, I used a green hooded robe that I'd worn as one of the three wise men in a nativity play a few years ago, and for his long white hair, I used a Santa Claus wig and beard that I'd worn in a Christmas pageant the year after that. Kathy Upton, the youth group leader, would probably have a fit if she knew I was repurposing the props for a Druids of Dragondale character, but Plunger says Christianity already borrowed heavily from paganism anyway, so I was just borrowing back. At 1.30, after a hearty breakfast of two Skittle burritos for energy, I disembarked from my house on foot. I couldn't carry my staff if I rode my bike, but that was okay because it was a plus one staff of walking, which significantly increased my ambulatory speed, although my loaded backpack probably negated the plus one. Hanging at my side was my realistic foam plus two warple sword of chaos I picked up at Sacramento Dodcon. Twenty minutes later, I entered Tolola Pines. From then on, it was a matter of constantly consulting my map and compass while navigating one rambling dirt trail as it intersected with another, the terrain becoming increasingly rugged. At 2.20, I reached Misty Ridge Trail. From there, it was a straight line to the northwest until Max's coordinates. I took a generous swig of Kool-Aid from my canteen and hiked on. Estimating that i get there with an easy five minutes to spare, I took my leisurely time but then the mist rolled in. It poured off the rocky ridges on either side of the path like waterfalls of dry ice. At the same time, all of the sounds of the forest, the noises you barely notice until they're gone, were gone, muted as if by a TV remote. Before I knew it, I found myself standing in the middle of a dense cloud, but my feet were still under me even if I couldn't see them, and I moved forward slowly. Hello? I walked for several more minutes, using my staff like a white cane for the blind. When I eventually held my wrist about an inch away from my face, I could just barely make out the time on my watch. I took one absent-minded step just as 2.35 turned into 2.36, and suddenly my foot didn't hit the ground. Instead, it stomped into a void, and my whole body followed after. It took me a moment to register that I was falling. I didn't know how fast I was falling because the mist had given way to inky blackness, but I could feel the tug of gravity on my robe. Even now, I can't be sure how long I fell in that dark place. It could have been seconds, or it could have been days. Time was a human construct that had no power there. The next thing I remember is tumbling down a chimney and crashing into a fireplace. Luckily, there was no fire. Dazed, I climbed out and brushed off the suit. I appeared to be in a small stone house with rustic decor. A hunched-over old lady wearing a drab gown came rushing in from another room. What in the blazes? Who are you? I didn't call for any chimney sweeps. Uh, pardon me, ma'am. I'm a bit discombobulated. I was just trying to find the LARP, and then I must have fallen and- The LARP? 
Well, it's certainly not here. Uh, where is here? My house, that's where. You talk like a child, but you have the hair of an elder. Are you a squat? I know you can't be a dink because they don't grow beards. No, I'm just a boy. A boy disguised as an old man? You're not a chimney sweep. You're a chimney peep. A what? You heard me. You're a peeper. Sneaking down chimneys to spy on old women in their under tunics. No, ma'am. Oh, yes. See anything you like, hmm? Maybe my stringy silver hair or my long pearly tooth? No. I'm sure you couldn't help but get a good eye for these ripe radishes. No, I have to leave now. Well, go on then. Get out. There's the door. I didn't need to be told twice and opened the door, stepping into the daylight. Still gathering myself, I took a second before observing my surroundings. What I saw completely blew my mind. It looked like I'd wandered onto the set of a movie about the Middle Ages. I was in a hamlet of straw-strewn dirt roads and quaint, thatched-roofed buildings. Beyond were rolling hills of golden fields and emerald pastures, ending at the edge of a dense forest of towering trees. Rising far above the treetops in the distance was a hulking castle that stabbed the sky with gleaming spires, bright pendants whipping in the wind. It was just a painted backdrop, I told myself, and the buildings in the village were probably not even real buildings, just facades. Except I'd just come out of one, and it was as real as the chickens running around at my feet. This had to be the most elaborate and impressive LARP ever conceived. I ambled down the street, getting a few looks from villagers as they went about their chores. There was a sign hanging above one of the buildings that said Tullus Tavern, so I had a curious look inside. It was a tavern, all right. Dimly lit by a fire in the hearth and lanterns hanging from the rafters. A handful of disheveled men in peasant wear huddled around one of the square tables gripping mugs. They instantly took notice. Ooh, what do we got here? An old squat come down from the mountains? He's too skinny for a squat. Can't be a dink with that beard. Excuse me, sirs. I'm just here for the LARP. LARP? What LARP? Oh, yeah. Uh, what's a LARP? <clears throat> Uh, allow me to introduce myself, then. I am Wendell Woolbeard, a druid of Dragondale. And who might you good tavern merrymakers be? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't never heard of no Dragondale before. Is that where you got them funny spectacles at? Yes. Uh, no, I mean, never heard of Dragondale before. Why, it's only the oldest and grandest city in Middle Realm. Middle what now? Oh, come on. Even peasants would know the name of the world they live in. But whatever. Uh, I can see that you are merely simple folk, ignorant of cosmology in the lands beyond your fields. Who you calling simple? Say it again and I'll kick your druid ass all the way back to Dragondale. I meant no offense, but if it's violence you seek, then by the blade of my plus two vorpal sword, you shall have it. Careful, Huffle. That thing looks sharp. Or, if you prefer your violence in the form of magic, you're welcome to test your spells against mine and 11th level element master. You mean like Serac the Sinister? I don't want any trouble, wizard. I thought as much. Good day, ale swillers. I moseyed up to the bar, and as I took a seat at one of the stools, a beefy, mustachioed tavern keeper greeted me. Yes, what will you have? 
I think I'm in the mood for turkey legs and a slice of fairy berry pie. We don't have that. Currently, we're serving only bread and pottage. Hmm. That sounds rather bland, but I suppose it will do. How much? Two pips, please. Pips, you say? Uh, very well. Here you are. No, you have to actually hand me real coins. You can't just pantomime it. Well, I wasn't told I needed to bring any money. Where's the Game Master? I need to talk to him about the rules. Uh, I believe Sir Chauncey Somers is the Master of Games. You'll find him to the north at Iron Castle in Crownwall. Are you thinking about entering the tournaments? Oh yeah, probably. You'll have to forgive me, I'm not familiar with this part of the world. Is Iron Castle the big castle you can see from outside? That's the one. And this is... Reapwood. I exited Tullis Tavern and stared at the colossal castle on the horizon. Maybe it was a projection. Couldn't be real. A minute later, one of the men from the tavern, but not the jerk-faced one, joined me outside. Pardon me, sir, I... Oh, you're a boy. I can see it plainly now. Yeah, it's called role-playing. Yes, and you were doing a magnificent job at it. But may I ask what interest you have in the LARP? Well, normally I'm a pen and paper kind of guy, but I've recently undergone a bit of a crisis and felt like I needed a change in my life. Thought I'd try my hand at the LARP. You know how to play it? Sure. It's mostly just improvisational. You play with your heart. Interesting. It was foretold that a boy would play the LARP and bring balance to the realm. That was probably Max. He knows how talented I am. Yes, I believe you just might be the one we've been waiting for. Please, you must go at once to see the Ranger Green Hat in the north. Tell him Gorham sent you. Well, I am headed that way, so I suppose I could stop in and say hi. You'll have to pass through Laughlin Forest, which is better known as Laughing Forest these days. Do not stray from the path under any circumstances, or you may find yourself the butt of a fatal joke. Take the eastern route at the fork, and you'll find his shack just after the bend. Got it. Before you go, may I know your name? Your real name? Dickie Newton, LARPer. Safe travels, Dickie. I think it wise for you to resume your role of the druid woolbeard now. You never can be too careful. Oh, okay. Sure. I began walking away. Fare thee well, Gorham of Reapwood. Fare thee well. The hamlet slowly shrunk from view behind me as the rutted dirt road cut its way across the sun-painted pasture land. Sheep and goats grazed contently, and warbling birdsong filled the air. Before long, I came to the border of Laughing Forest. The way forward looked as dark as a cave. I traipsed all over Tololo Pines National Forest, but these woods seemed different, less evergreen. Once my eyes adjusted, the interior wasn't as dark as it looked from the outside. I continued. After a while, I began to feel the urge to use the bathroom, number two. For some reason, those Skittle burritos weren't agreeing with my stomach. Gorham had said to stay on the path, but I wasn't about to do my business in the middle of the road like a horse. I walked a few feet into the forest and squatted behind a tree, yet I couldn't go. It felt like I was being watched. Venturing a little further away from the road, I tried again, this time under the cover of a bush. Still, I couldn't shake the feeling that eyes were on me, like a predator was stalking me. Eventually, I relaxed enough to relieve myself. I hadn't thought to bring any rolls of toilet paper with me, but I had nature's toilet paper, leaves. There were plenty of them lying around, sturdy and broad. Just as I had finished and was pulling up my shorts underneath my robe, I heard a twig snap from nearby. 
I froze and scanned the area. Nothing moved. I let down my guard and stepped away, but just then I immediately heard another snap, followed by a rustle of branches. This time, when I studied the scene, I noticed a patch of purple among the green, about ten feet away. Squinting my eyes, I could just make out what looked like a small dog standing completely still on its hind legs, partially concealed behind a tangle of underbrush. Hey, doggy. I see you. Come on out, okay? I won't hurt you. Cautiously, a furry, two-and-a-half-foot-tall purple creature stepped into the open. It was no dog, although its face did somewhat resemble a kind of terrier breed with a short snout and pointy ears. It wore no clothes and walked upright on stubby legs. The hands and feet were humanoid, chubby like a small child's, but also covered in the same fuzzy purple hair. I counted only four fingers and toes. I knew what it was, or rather who it was, but my brain couldn't make sense of it. I always told myself that it was just a really well-designed costume when I saw him on TV, but now that he was right in front of me, I knew deep down inside that no costume could ever be this lifelike. You're Flurf! You're no Flurf. Sure, I watch you every Thursday night. You're an interdimensional alien who loves to eat poop, which causes problems with the human family that you live with in suburban Kansas City, but they can never stay mad at you for very long because you're so adorable. That not Flurf. Yeah, it is. And before that, you were on an old radio drama with Buck Goodsense and Dweek Stevens. Uh-uh. That not Flurf either. Yes, huh? Can Flurf have some of your poop? See? I knew you were Flurf. You've been following me ever since I went to defecate. Flurf love eating poop, but Flurf not know about cans of city or bucker sense. Well, you are interdimensional, so if you're real, that means you can exist in more than one dimension. I guess the Flurf that's on TV and radio is a different Flurf, one that doesn't talk in the third person. Um, can Flurf have poop now? <laughs> sure, buddy. Flurf's gotta be Flurf's. It's just right over there by the... Oh, okay. Yep, that's it. Wow. Well, they never actually show that on TV. Seeing it in real life kind of makes me feel sick. It's actually pretty gross and not really funny at all. <laughs> you funny. Flurf like you. <laughs> well, Flurf, it was nice to finally meet you, or a version of you, but I should probably get going. I need to talk to the GM and Crownwall. Flurf going to Crownwall, too. Many perps there. Oh, great. I guess we should travel together, then. My name's Dickie, by the way. Flurf and I hiked back to the trail and carried on. Columns of sunlight penetrated the canopy in places, and every once in a while, I thought I heard faint laughter emanating from some far-off neck of the woods. After what seemed like an hour had passed, I checked my watch. Instead of the time, it displayed the number 58008. No matter what I did, the number was stuck on the screen. That had been a brand new Casio Scientific Calculator watch, and now it was junk. Another hour probably passed, and I started to worry. If this took much longer, I'd barely get to do any LARPing before I had to turn around and go home. Why did the LARP organizers spread their towns out so far? I tried to pick up the pace, but Flurf was lagging behind. When the sky gradually started to go dark, I knew I was in trouble. I could head back now, but it'd be nighttime soon and I didn't have a flashlight. 
I wasn't even sure I could find the way home in the daytime, much less at night. When I tried to remember how I'd gotten to Reapwood, I drew a blink. One minute I'd been wading through a patch of mist, and the next minute I was clambering out of an old lady's chimney. The way forward looked like an endless tunnel of trees, the shadows growing longer and turning blacker. We decided the best course of action was to find a good place to camp off the road while there was still enough light to see. I took out my compass as we wandered through the woods, but the needle just spun around and around like the hand of a clock being wound. Soon enough we spotted a clearing. It was as good a place as any for making camp, and I started gathering sticks for a fire while Flurf relaxed on a tree stump. By the time the flames were dancing and the wood was crackling, the stars had come out. As I sat cross-legged next to the fire, I rummaged through my backpack and pulled out my radio. I wasn't surprised to hear only static through the speaker. I was far out of range. No way to let Plunger know I wasn't going to make it to the game. I was less worried about Aunt Judy, who was so-called babysitting me while my mom was away on business. If I was lucky, she'd already be passed out on the couch by now and wouldn't have a clue if I didn't come home. Plunger, on the other hand, would immediately suspect foul play of the vampiric variety. He was probably already sharpening his stakes. I reached into my backpack again and brought out some rations. Flurf, do you want some marshmallow fluff and some cinnamon graham crackers? Yuck. Flurf only eat poop. Just checking. Hey, Flurf, I was wondering, do you ever eat your own poop? No, that disgusting. Besides, Flurf only make one pellet every bazillion years. Whoa, that's a long time. After a while, the fire started to die down, and it seemed like a good time to turn in for the night. Do you want to take first watch, or should I? Flurf watch. Yeah, but which watch? Okay, Flurf watch for witches. Whatever, I'm going to bed. I've had a long day. You can wake me up in about four hours. I laid back on the forest floor and rested my head on my backpack. Staring up at the stars visible through the clearing, I had the strange impression that the constellations were different than I remembered, but I chalked that up to being tired. I must have been more exhausted than I realized because I couldn't even identify the hooting of an owl that seemed close by. Good night, Flurf. Good night, Dickie. At some point in the night, I was awakened by the sound of faint, jingling bells. When I opened my eyes, I saw three jesters standing over me in the hazy glow of the dying firelight. Two of them looked like bearded, barrel-chested midgets, and the other one looked normal. Alarmed, I sat up and glanced around at the campsite, but Flurf was nowhere to be found. The tall jester, wearing crusty white face paint, a dangly cap and bells, and a faded diamond pattern costume, crept closer and poked me with a scepter. Now what's a boy, dressed as an old man, doing sleeping in the woods at night alone? I'm clearly dressed as a druid, and you should respect my character. Why does everyone else get to roleplay, but when I do, they ignore it and act like I'm still just a boy? You have my apologies, druid. We certainly would never intentionally disrespect a practitioner of the performing arts. Yeah, well, you have a lot to learn. Now, ahem, <clears throat> who are you three jangly jokesters, and why have you disturbed a druid of Dragondale as he peacefully slumbers in his wooded domain? I am called Billy Bobble. And these squats are Ridley and Grummet. We are the Yester Jesters, former fools who were fired for not being able to amuse the Queen's daughter. There are many more of us back at Coppice Court, our makeshift settlement in this forest. And the reason we so rudely interrupted your rest is to rob you. 
What? You dare rob a master of the elements? Do you place so little value on your lives? On the contrary, it is precisely because we value our lives that we rely on robbing. It's unsavory, to be sure, but it's how we survive. Billy lifted my backpack from the ground and sat with it on the tree stump. What a most peculiar knapsack. I do believe it has teeth. Ah, I see. You just pull this tab and it opens up. Ingenious. Hey, that's mine. You can't take my stuff. That's gotta be against the rules. Now, now. Mind your role-playing, druid. And of course it's against the rules. What do you think robbing is? But, yes, but, uh... Ooh, what sort of clockwork contraption is this? Look at all these dials and knobs. It is my own invention. Merely a personal communicator device and not worth anything. Interesting. It hisses at us. It's only for communicating with snakes. Eh? Hello, snakes. Ah! I don't wish to talk to snakes. He threw the radio onto the grass just as one of the other yester jesters reached into my backpack and pulled out my dice bag. Looky what I found, Billy. Well, well, well. Gemstones of every shape, speckled and shiny, and engraved. How odd. Those are but worthless trinkets used for creating random numbers. I know what dice are, and I happen to like trinkets. Then have your sparkly stones, Mr. Bobble, and be gone with you before I become belligerent. Now hold on. What do we have here? A jar of white puffy paste? Mashed spider eggs. Mmm. So sweet. Uh... Coagulated owlbear pus. Mm. I must have this. No, I forbid you. That's not fair. This isn't supposed to be part of the game. Game? You want to play a game? I'll tell you what. We'll roll the dice for it. The highest sum gets to keep the gooey goody. But I was told there wouldn't be any dice rolling. What's that, druid? Ah, nothing. Good. We'll roll here on the top of this flat tree stump. Dice that fall on the ground don't count. No re-rolls. Now. Shake, rattle, and roll. Let's see. Mm Mm-hmm. 125. Your turn, druid. I can't. Come on. At least give it a try. I got down on my knees before the tree stump and grasped the wad of dice with a shaky hand. Beads of sweat started to pour off my forehead. <laughs> Nothing. Not one single die ended up on the tree stump. Zero. I'm afraid I won. But you know what? That was one of the most amusing performances I've seen in a long time. You've got genuine talent. And because you're one of us, I've decided it wouldn't be right to rob you of your sugary snack without giving you something in return. We'll make a trade. Here, take my Marat. He reached out and handed me the scepter he'd poked me with earlier. A small jester's head resembling Billy himself was carved into the top of it. Hmm, a druid such as myself already has his share of sticks and staves. What use of a fool's prop do I have in my quests? It's magic. 
Just wave it at any intelligent individual and say the word boff, then watch them double over with laughter. Alas, it can only be used once, so choose wisely. If what you claim be true, why did you not simply use this mirthy magic on the queen's daughter? I'm afraid only terror and suffering are able to make that vile girl guffaw. So, will you accept my offer? Uh, very well, I suppose. Excellent. And as a bonus, before we leave you to resume your rest, Ridley and Grummet will perform an act of juggling and jokes accompanied by my flute. I woke up in the same spot with Flurf snoring next to me. The morning dew on the grass glistened in the soft sunlight. Those yester jesters must have been pretty unfunny after all if I'd fallen asleep during their show. I checked to see if my late night visit had been just a dream, but I still had Billy's Marat and my can of marshmallow fluff was gone. Flurf, wake up. It's morning. <coughs> Where were you last night? You were supposed to be taking Flurf our first watch. Huh? Flurf right here whole time, watching for riches. No, you weren't. You probably wandered off looking for poop. Meanwhile, I was getting robbed. <laughs> oh, don't cry. It's okay, Flurf. I guess it wasn't technically a robbery. I got a Jester's Magic Maraud out of it, but I doubt the other players will recognize its effects. Hey, Flurf, have you heard of Serac the Sinister? Serac the most powerful sorcerer in Lysandria. Where's Lysandria? This all Lysandria, silly. Well, I've never heard of it, and I know a lot about Druids of Dragondale. I swear I'm starting to think everyone else is playing a different LARP than I am. Flurf know where LARP is. You mean it's not here? Uh-uh, but Flurf can take Dickie there. Is it far? Eh, it's not too far. Hmm. You know what? Let's do it. I didn't come all this way for a stroll in the woods. I want to see some action. Yeah! After I ate the last of my cinnamon graham crackers for breakfast, we headed off again, following the path in the same direction. About a mile or so later, I heard the same owl's call I'd heard the night before. I didn't like to admit it, but I still couldn't determine the type. Whatever it was, it wasn't keeping normal owl hours. When the sun was high overhead, and I reckoned it was about midday, Flurf's tummy started to growl loudly. Flurf hungry for some poop. Sorry, I don't have to go right now. You'll just have to wait. Surely there'll be some porta-potties at the LARP. Suddenly, we both heard the sound of hoofbeats on the ground behind us. Several dark-cloaked men on horseback were furiously galloping down the path right for us, and it didn't look like they had any intention of slowing down. I grabbed Flurf by one hand and yanked him with me into the underbrush on the side of the road, avoiding being trampled to death by mere seconds. The riders ignored us and continued their mad dash along the route, leaving a cloud of dirt in their wake. Rude. Wish we had some horses. Horse hurry! We can turn around and find all the poop left on the way. No, Flurf, we don't have time to backtrack for manure. Oh. Finally, laughing forest gave way to scrubland. Heath and other small shrubs carpeted the open land. Iron Castle appeared much closer now, 
soaring up from behind a tall rampart. At this distance, I could tell it wasn't a flat backdrop. Probably inflatable, I thought. Like a big bouncy house. After walking a ways, the landscape became hillier and rockier. Now my stomach started to growl too. But before I had time to think about finding something to eat, a huge blue-skinned man wearing a loincloth and wielding a scimitar rose up from behind a boulder and roared. His head was shaved except for the very top where his black hair was bound into a high ponytail and two tusk-like teeth jutted upward from a severe underbite. An impressive costume, I admitted, but it was too bad everyone playing the LARP of Lysandria was a total amateur and didn't know the first thing about player conduct. Next, the blue man charged at us, his sword raised in the air. Flurf immediately took off running, but I wasn't the least bit intimidated. Sorry, I'm not playing this game. I'm going to play a real LARP. It wasn't until I noticed the sun glinting off the metal of his scimitar that I got a little nervous. Hey, that's not foam! I leaped out of the way right as the blade came crashing down beside me and caused a shower of sparks on a rock. What part of I'm not playing don't you understand? The man took another swipe at me with a sword, but I ducked under it just in the nick of time. More accurately, I tripped backward just in the nick of time, but it was all part of my body's plan. Now he raised the blade again, holding it far over his head with both hands for maximum damage. That's when a small owl came stealthily swooping in out of nowhere and sunk its talons into the man's face. He stumbled back and flailed his sword blindly, but the owl kept up its frenzied flapping attack, breaking with its raptor claws and tearing with its hooked beak. After only a matter of seconds, the man turned and started to stomp off in the opposite direction, the owl pursued him for a short distance, but then flew back as he disappeared over a hill. I stood up and saw Flurf peek his head out from behind a shrub. Is it gone? As the owl soared towards us, I had the sudden urge to hold my arm out like a falconer. To my surprise, the owl landed gracefully on the sleeve of my thick robe. Wow, this owl must have been trained. I don't recognize the plumage, but I think it's a female. I'm going to call you Olivia Hooten John. Hoot! Thanks for your aid, Olivia. I don't know what that guy's damage was. The bird of prey blinked our big amber eyes and then hopped up my arm, coming to rest on my shoulder. As we continued our trek, she felt comfortable and safe enough to take a nap. Before too long, we came to a fork in the road. Two rickety signposts stuck out of the ground, with one saying Crownwall and pointing left, and the other one saying Marinport, pointing right. This way, this way. Ugh, I thought you said it was close. How much farther, Flurf? Not much farther. We took the road to the right. Over time, Iron Castle shrank from view completely as we descended the sloping path. Gradually, the ground leveled back off, and the environment became more wooded again. After a bend in the road, I spotted what looked like a small shack set maybe a hundred feet back in a copse of trees. Hey, Flurf, that looks like it could be the ranger station. Maybe he has a phone line. I should check it out, and you should probably wait here. Okay, Dookie. Did you just call me Dookie? Fluff meant Dookie. Fluff's so hungry. Well, maybe the park ranger on duty will have something I can eat, and then we'll see about getting you something to eat. Yeah, then Fluff will be on duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. Do you hear that? It sounds like a girl crying. It's coming from the shack. Stay here. 
Surrendering to my heroic instincts, I sprinted through the forest until I got to the door of the little wooden shack. The interior looked less like a ranger station and more like a cramped hunter's cabin. There were assorted animal pelts stacked up in one corner and loose arrows rested on a hand-carved table. A dark-haired girl in a blue dress who looked about my age was sitting on a bed sobbing. What seems to be the matter, young miss? Oh, I didn't hear you come in. It's, it's my father, you see. The Ranger Green Hat. He died, and now I'm all alone. I'm sorry. How did he pass? He was killed by wolves. Wolves? Um, are you LARPing? Are you blind? Does it look like I'm LARPing? Well, I don't think little girls can LARP, so I guess not. You're right. I can't LARP. But I heard of a boy who can. I know you're not an old man. That beard looks absolutely ridiculous. I strongly disagree with that last part, but I can LARP, and I am in fact headed to a LARP now. Oh, you must take me with you. But you can't play. But I only wish to watch and listen to you play. Well, I do put on a good show, but I'm not sure. You simply must take me to the LARP this instant. I mean, please, I can't stay here anymore. I guess you can come with me until we get to the LARP. And then maybe we can contact the authorities or an orphanage or something. Thank you. I am Tia. What's your name? I am Dickie. Well, Dickie, you do know the way, right? Yeah, my good friend Flurf is taking me there. Uh, he's in costume, so don't spaz out or anything. Oh, I didn't know you had a traveling companion already. Oh, Flurf's cool. He won't mind company. It's okay, Flurf. You can come up now. Flurf, this is Tia. Wolves killed her dad, and now she's going to join us on our way to the LARP. Flurf wants some poop to eat. Ah, uh, ignore him. He doesn't really eat poop. He's just joking around, aren't you, Flurf? But Flurf's starving. Not now, Flurf. There's a girl with us. Oh. This disgusting creature is your good friend. Actually, I wouldn't say he's a friend at all, really. I mean, I, I only met him yesterday. I let him tag along. <laughs> oh, don't be such a crybaby, Flurf. Hey, where are you going, Flurf? Come back. It appears your tag along has run off. Will we be able to find the LARP without him? It shouldn't be a problem. It's just down the road a little, I think. Is it? I heard the LARP was hidden away. Well, I know the general direction anyway. Flurf will catch up to us after he finds something to eat. Then I suppose we ought to be off. After traipsing back to the path, we continued walking east. Beyond every bend in the road was the hope that a LARP would suddenly appear, the mashing of foam blades ringing out from under pavilion tents. But nothing of the sort was ever seen, not even a mirage of a LARP. Once a carriage came by, but Tia insisted that we hid out of view, whispering warnings of slave traders in the region. I tried to explain to her that, According to Plunger, stranger danger was just a myth created by parents to keep kids from getting free candy, but she wasn't having any of it. The sky turned overcast and bitter cold rain fell on our heads. Soon we were forced to walk on the shoulder of the road after it became too muddy to slog through. Ah, this is utterly miserable. Face it, Dickie, you haven't the slightest idea where the LARP is and your little purple friend is gone for good. He'll find us. He's probably just taking shelter somewhere, waiting for the rain to pass. Well, then he's got more sense than we have. 
I feel like I'm soaked to my marrow. What's that up there? It looks like a small cave opening in the cliff. The cliff did indeed have an opening into a cozy round chamber, which we had to crawl into single file. There was just enough ambient light to see remnants of a busted barrel on the cave floor. Dry wood perfect for starting a fire. After it was lit, T and I sat on opposite sides, gazing into the flames and warming our damp bodies. Your owl is staring at me. That's Olivia. She can't help it. Did you know that owls don't have eyeballs at all? They have eye tubes which don't move around in their sockets, and that's why they can turn their heads a whole 270 degrees. You're an odd boy, but I like you. Oh, yeah? I'd like you better if you were playing the LARP, though. Uh, I will. Just you wait. I'm an expert at Druids of Dragondale. You'll see. What is that? What is what? Druids of Dragondale. Is it a song? Psh, no. It's a game. You know the LARP we're trying to find? Why? Live-action role-playing? But, no. Yeah, I have one of the books in my backpack. See? Druids of Dragondale. Lands of Enchantment. It's the, that's when I noticed a loose piece of paper sandwiched in between the pages. It said, Hear ye, hear ye. Join us for a day of Druids of Dragondale live-action roleplay, Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at Dongho Park Park in Jupiter Springs. Please wear appropriate attire and be prepared to have fun. Foam weaponry only. Huzzah. I let the paper fall out of my hands and float into the fire. This was the LARP invitation Max had slid into the book at his store, not the yellow one with coordinates. The implications were enough to finally force the realization I'd been either too stupid or scared to admit before. Suddenly everything made sense without making sense at all. I was in another realm. There is no LARP here. Oh, but there is. It's a legendary musical instrument, the only one of its kind, and it was foretold that- A boy would play it and bring balance to the realm. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it before. But you're out of luck, honey. I can't play that kind of LARP. I'm not your chosen one. I'm just a young fool. Don't say that. I believe in you, Dickie, and I'm no fan of fools. You don't understand. I'm not from here, wherever here is. I have to get home to my own realm, but I don't know how. First of all, you're in Lysandria, a glorious but imperfect realm ruled by the mighty Queen Sabrilia. But if you really want to leave, the LARP is said to be able to open doorways into other realms if plucked correctly. You could go home. Forget it. I can't even roll dice on a flat surface. No way do I have the manual dexterity to precisely pluck the strings of a magical music device. You must try. Psh, try. They should rename this place Trizandia. I'm tired of trying. Guess I don't need this ridiculous beard and wig anymore. I'd say, you're a very handsome boy. Thanks, Mom. I mean, ma'am, you think? Oh, yes. It's just too bad you're not the boy I thought you were. I guess we'll be parting ways then? Where are you going to go? I'm going to find the LARP, of course. With or without you. Well, uh, mind if I tag along? I'd like that, Dickie. Ooh, look at that. The sky's cleared up. <laughs>